Hi, and welcome to LISD's Digital Dish. This podcast is hosted by Julia Frazier and Michael Vick, two of LISD's instructional technology facilitators. We will be discussing the latest digital innovations, dilemmas, and solutions for your classroom and more. We love Google, efficiency, and sharing information. Join us as we banter, debate, and discover the technology offerings of LASD and beyond. Here we are, episode six of The Digital Dish. And uh, Jane was supposed to do that with me. But uh, we we have another person here today. We have a guest podcast host. Her name is Jane Germany. Jane, would you like to introduce yourself? No, I'm really probably not going to speak through the whole podcast. Oh, I'm just going to let you speak. I'm going to nod a lot. Well, this is going to this is going to hurt our audience. Oh, okay. Um, yes, I am Jane Germany. I uh, work in the Kilo Feeder Zone, so I work at LHSK and Huffines and Delay, and I love my little triad. I've been in digital learning and technology for about 17 years. Longer than I was in the classroom, and I've been in the that. district. Yeah, I've been in the district uh, about twenty-seven. This is my twenty-seventh year. Wow! So I'm old, but I still can learn new tricks. Yeah. Well, Jane's actually a big reason why I'm in this position. When uh, before I got this job, I uh, was like, "Hey, Jane, you do you do something that I want to do? So let's meet at Starbucks, and you can tell me how I can do that." And that's pretty much how I became. Uh, how I really got an in on being an instructional technologist. And you are excellent at your job, I must oh, say. Thanks. I made a great recommendation. All right. I'm glad I didn't disappoint you because that's really my main goal. Is to not disappoint Just Jane to not Germany. disappoint you. That's right. All right. So we got a, we got a packed podcast today. We're going to talk about some really cool things happening in the district and some, some cool tools for you and for me and for everybody you love. We're going to start off with an oldie but a goodie. It's time for an oldie but a goodie. And that oldie but a goodie is your system preferences on your Mac. A lot of teachers got some new Mac Airs, and there are you some really cool things. And you could have done this on the Macs. Done a lot you of these things a on the giant Pro area too, in system preferences. So on the top left, you see a nice, pretty picture of an Apple, and it's more than just a pretty picture. If you click on it and go down to System Preferences, System Preferences is a place on your Mac Air where you can go and you can just make adjustments to how your system is set up. Like if you get frustrated, for example, with how you maybe move your fingers down and the screen goes down and you want it to go up or the other way around, you can go you can go and fix that. You can go in on your displays when you first plug in your projector. Sometimes everything on your screen just becomes really bulging and gigantic. You can click on displays and you can you can fix that. Some other things you can do in system preferences is energy saver. How long do you think the default energy saver is? Are you gonna go look right now? It's like a minute. No, I've changed mine. Oh, okay. I've already gotten rid of that stupid feature. It is frustratingly like a minute and a half. Right. And then teacher's like, why does why do I always have to log? And then you gotta log back in and it's it's really irritating. But yeah, you can just move it. I actually have both of mine. When I say both, I mean you can do it. You can set it for when it's on battery and when it's on power adapter. I have both of mine at never because I'm like, if I'm not on my computer, I'll go ahead and close it. I don't need it to turn off automatically. What do you have yours at? I agree completely. I have mine on never. Yeah. I don't care how much battery I use. I can plug it in at some point because the batteries on these Mac Airs are excellent. Mm-hmm. So I just prefer it to never go to sleep. 
sometimes when a mat goes to sleep, it has a really hard time waking up. So when I went from a PC to a Mac, I remember it pretty vividly. I was extremely frustrated. What about you? Do you remember doing that, making that transition? A little bit, but we had a Mac at home. Oh, yeah. So, And I um, grew up, quote unquote, on Macs. Mm -hmm. We used Macs when I was in college, and the screen was about five inches, and oh. they were black and white. Wow. They were great. Greatness. So I've always loved the, the Mac system. Oh, okay. So, uh, so then you were used to it when we stuck. Because I remember we went from PCs to Mac in the district like six or seven years ago. A lot of people really had a hard time. Yeah. But you have so much more control over a Mac oh, yeah. than you do a PC. Well, I mean, the options on a trackpad, you can just do so much more than you can on a mouse. Now, it takes some learning, and that's part of the reason why I brought it up, is that you can go to your system preferences and then look at your trackpad, and it actually has a nice video of, you know, how to do things on your trackpad. All of how the to move gestures. Away. Yes, yeah, gestures, that's the word. How to move, you know, go back and forth just by moving your fingers to the left and right, adding desktops and all sorts of... Are you using two fingers? Are you using three fingers to swipe? Mm -hmm. um, one thing that is my pet peeve about the trackpad on the Mac is I always click, and sometimes it thinks it's a right click, Oh. Which is, the Mac calls it a secondary click, not a right click. I didn't know that. But um, you can actually turn your right click totally off on your trackpad. And I do what I call, because you know, I've been teaching for 27 years. I call it the old lady method. When I want to right click, mm -hmm. I just hold the control key down on my keyboard oh. and tap. And that's always a right click. So I've turned my right click on my trackpad completely off. I do that off. too, but can we not call it the old lady method? That would be, that'd be really good. Well, that's self-called. I mean, self-named. Okay. I'm going to call you it You can't say it, but I can yeah, say it. Yeah. For me, it's the awesome guy method. Okay. Yeah. Right. All right. So that's our, those are oldie but a goodie. They've always been there, but you maybe just didn't even know about it. And now we're going to move on to a moment with. Sit back and relax. Time for a moment with. Okay, so it is going to be a moment with Jane. And Jane is going to talk about something that really is important to her. I will stop referring to myself in the third person. That's fine, yeah, no. People don't know who you are, so, I mean, that's important. Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing that the district has done that I have really, really. I'm really proud of mm -hmm. is the kindness initiative. Um, there is an article in the news on NBC that you can read. You can also go to LISD.net and it's under news and announcements all mm -hmm. about kindness. I think they started out with a big kindness week at the beginning of school mm -hmm. and it has continued and it's going to continue throughout I guess into perpetuity because oh. it's a great movement. Yeah, forever. It started in all five high schools and they sold these very bright orange kindness yeah. t-shirts. I read that that is the official color of kindness. Orange, uh -huh. like the ribbons, uh -huh, the I different colored ribbons. Or the movement. I don't know if it's like the official color of kindness in general, but this particular movement is all about orange. But that does not mean we're UT fans. Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. Some of us in this room are not right. fans mm -hmm. of UT. Exactly. But all five high schools are starting it, and they have all kinds of challenges such as 
Find someone who's sitting alone at lunch and invite them to join your group. And that can actually lead to some new friendships. You know, kids get into these cliques and yeah. they, they really paint themselves into a corner about who they are. Mm-hmm. And this initiative really helps them reach out and maybe make friends with someone who isn't exactly like them. And that's really, really great because a lot of kids, when they get to college, they kind of have culture shock. But they can find someone who's sitting alone and invite them to sit with them. They have kindness clothespins. And I guess that works if someone is seen doing something kind, they get a clothespin. So they can collect clothespins. And I'm sure those aren't a distraction in class. You know, I think there's like people have this feeling of, I want to help out that person. I just don't know what to do. And now it's like, well, you're given support to do something and you know that you're not alone in this. It's a big movement. There's a lot of people behind you right. who think that's who, who know that's a great thing. And then you also get recognized for it after the fact. It's, I think it's just a really cool, really cool thing that we're doing as a district. Hashtag LISD be kind. Hashtag LISD be, LISD be kind. Did I say it too fast? No, I said it too fast. Oh, okay. I got all twisted. Hash brown. Um, at one of my campuses, Kilo. They have kindness, kindness ambassadors. That's about 50 kids, and they're giving them real leadership opportunities because these ambassadors, student ambassadors, initiate a lot of these challenges. Um, it's trickling down to the middle schools and to the elementary schools and even to the Louisville Admin Center. Mm-hmm. We're calling that the lack. Louisville Administration Center. Over there on Maine and Garden Ridge. Yeah, as far as I know, I made that up. So once it becomes a thing, it's something that I did. All right. I just like just the so CAC in Flower Mound, but you mm-hmm. didn't make that one no, up. No, I didn't know. No, I did not make that one but up. The LAC. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's L A C, not L A C K. They're not lacking in anything. Yeah. That needs to be pointed out. Thank you. That's but back important. to kindness. Yeah, okay. I think the middle schools are actually going to start an official initiative next year and this is all tied in the high school with the character strong uh, curriculum it's really it's going forward and I think it will impact face-to-face interactions and bullying with kids but I also think it can have a really strong transfer over into kids use of social media which is the next part in our digital citizenship section I don't know if a lot of teachers knew this, but fourth grade, fifth grade, and seventh grade students are all required to go through this series of digital citizenship lessons. It's usually about five to seven, like what would be called class periods, 45 minute class periods. And they go through different topics about digital citizenship. So like how, you know, cyberbullying is one of the lessons, like your digital footprint is a lesson. And it goes through these different lessons. So really, it's a cool curriculum. Librarians are, are generally the ones heading it up. And the kids really learn a lot about, like a lot of the vocabulary that they never really mm-hmm. thought about. You were talking about with the kindness thing. It's the kids kind of understand what it is to be a good, to be a good citizen. And sometimes those rules don't apply online for some strange reason, like there's this block. And so digital citizenship lessons, they talk about that. But the one big thing over all of that that I've talked about so far is that we want teachers to understand digital citizenship isn't over in fourth, fifth, and seventh grade when they have those lessons. Yeah, it's not over in a week's worth of lessons, which 
the library media department, congratulations to them for um, coming up with some curriculum. We use a lot of outside resources, Common Sense Media, but it's not just a one-off kind of lesson. Teachers really need to find teachable moments with their kids and bring up digital citizenship a lot. Teachers, if you don't, if you don't teach fourth, fifth, and seventh, it's very easy to get into that trap of, oh, well, the seventh grade does that. Yeah. I don't have to do that. And I don't think teachers feel equipped to always deal with that. Right. But it's it's a matter of common sense right. and kindness, well, and I really. Think, I think it just has to, like, you don't have to go and research a lesson that has to do with um, digital citizenship and your content and then specifically teach those digital citizens. Like, it, there are teachable moments that just happen. You're using everyday, we're going to talk about um, using Socrative in a minute. And, you know, uh, Socrative. Socrative. We're going to talk about Socrative. using Socrative in a minute. They're, um, they're going to go, and that's a digital tool that you're using. And a teacher may think to themselves, I don't know Socrative, Socrative very well. And so, like, there might be a time where you're commenting on somebody else's thing, maybe. maybe. Yeah, more online discussions in Canvas and instant messaging and things like right. that that are going to bleed over into the kids' right. home life in the evening. Yeah, and so, I mean, there are going to be times where the teacher may be like, you know, tell the kid, don't do that. But really, that could become a classroom teachable moment in your teaching digital citizenship. Things will happen, and the teachers don't don't just walk by it. Actually make a thing of it. Talk about it with your class. Talk about, you know, the positives, the negatives of, you know, making that decision, whatever you're doing as a digital citizen. Well, I think another example. Every teacher has students work in partners and groups. And every teacher scaffolds those skills and talks with their kids about how to, if you're going to critique something, how do you frame that? How do you make it constructive and not mean? And I think you just extend that into social media when you're not face-to-face. -face. Okay, we act this way when we're face-to-face. -face. How should we act when we're online, in our bedroom, on our phone, at night? Right. And it should be the same. Yes, some, <laughs> for some reason, kids feel more licensed to be mean online, yeah. even though that's going to stay around forever. People right. take screenshots. You can delete it, but yeah. there's still it's a screenshot. More, more damage can be done that way. Than, than they ever would say face-to-face -face when the face-to-face, -face, unless someone's recording, which yeah. is likely, it goes away. But this doesn't. It's indelible. It's going to stay around forever. I was, I was working in a classroom, and they were, they were using Google Classroom. The teacher in Google Classroom, one of the things you can set up is where kids are not allowed to comment, right? Isn't there like a not allowed to comment? I don't know, whatever. The kid said something stupid in a comment. I brought it up, and I, we, it was obvious who it was because his name was right there next to him, and I talked to him about it. And I talked to his little group about it, and then I talked to the whole class, and I said, you know, think about what you just did there. Like, if you just called somebody a name, that's not good. And we all know that's not good. But ultimately, there's, there's nobody – you don't have proof. You don't have evidence that that happened. But if you do it online – there's evidence right there. And not only did he do it online, he did it on a school device on the school network. And it's like... How stupid can you how, be? It's so dumb. Whatever. Not, I'm not encouraging you to you know, call people names with words, but honestly, it's less evidence. Exactly. So hopefully with the kindness initiative and making teachers more aware of those teachable moments, we'll really get some better behavior 
by students. A happier place. A happier place. Online exactly. and in person. Exactly. Okay, we're going to move on to an exciting digital tool. It's that time again for the Digital Dishes Exciting Digital Tool. Well, we've already talked about this digital tool a little bit. Here, Jane is going to talk about Socrative. Okay. I messed it up again. If you say I'm, that I keep one doing more it time. On purpose. No, teachers actually, there's nobody actually, knows how to pronounce there's it. There's actually a thing with it. Like, it's really a debatable I mean, topic. It's been around for over 10 years. Really? I'm going to go look it up. You keep talking while okay. I look it up. Well, okay. And it's one of those few digital tools that has never gone paid. Well, that's good. That's you know, good. so many of them, you fall in love with them, you start a long-term relationship with them, <laughs> and then they go paid, and you have to chunk out like $19 a month to, to have mm. this tool. Three or four podcasts ago, Julie was talking about how Padlet went to paid, and she was really, really sad. We literally had a moment of silence. It was sad. I, of course, edited that, but, you know, we did have a moment of well, silence for Padlet. With elementary, the problem is they are so limited in the tools that they can use because the under 13 rule. Right. Um, Plus, it's got to be, you got to go through this process to put it on the on the elementary app store. Exactly. And that when they lose a tool that they love, it is like, it, it's a grieving process. Okay, so Socrative was founded in um, 2011. Okay, Six. seven years okay. is almost like ten. Okay, I'm just saying. So I, that proves I have been using it from the beginning. Okay. And so nobody knew how to pronounce it. Socrative, Socrative. But we listened to one of the online tutorials sponsored by the Socrative people, and they say Socrative. We should just send them an email. Okay, tomato, tomato, Socrative, Socrative. Okay. It rhymes with Socratic, as in a Socratic dialogue. Socrative. Not really a rhyme, but close. They have lots of features that you can build a quiz online with multiple choice, true, false, and short answer questions, and it will grade the multiple choice and true, false for you. You can gamify any of your quizzes with the space race feature. Does that come with sound effects? Uh, not sure. Can't okay. remember. Well, it should. Okay, well, they have little rockets, and, and when you get the answer right, you team up, and whoever wins the race wins. You can also do a on-the-spot, spontaneous question. Quick question. Quick question. And you can do exit tickets, which are, the exit tickets are pre-formulated. How did I feel about the content today? Great, good, mm -hmm. bad. Great reflection. Mm-hmm. And... What I, another thing I like about it, it's multi-platform. Kids can use a phone, can use a computer, can use an iPad, an Android, iPhone. It's browser-based as well as being app-based, so the kids can download the app if they need to. It is 13 and over. But. I'm sorry. It is 13 and under with parent permission. So okay. elementary school teachers will need to put that on their list. But the good thing is it's run by the teacher. The teacher has the account. He or she creates the quiz or hits the buttons. And all the kids have to do is go to a web page and put in their teacher's room number, mm -hmm. and they're in. So it's quick. It's easy. The interface is easy. Um, you can share your quizzes with other teachers. I was, I was working with a teacher, a seventh grade teacher one time, 
And this teacher, you know, I've gone through like how to do Google Forms with her and I've talked about how to do some things with ePortfolios. And it seems like the ratio of time it would take a normal person to learn it and hers a little bit longer, right? And I hope she's not listening right now, but because she's a great she person. She knows who she is. Right. She loves Socrative and she learned it like Socrative. that. Socrative. Yeah, that. She learned Socrative really, really quickly. And she loved it. And she was able to even get in there and do some of the different things because she took what she learned on one part of it and was able to transfer it onto another part. And like a lot of times, the the different, like the quiz and the space race and the exit, they're very different tools. And you have to, it's a different learning for each one. But she learned it really, really quickly. And so a lot of times we say tools are really easy because we work with a lot of tools. But this one is easy for people who have trouble so if she can learn it anyone can learn exactly another thing i like about socrative is yes in google classroom and in canvas you can do online quizzes but this one is a little more interactive and a little more engaging it's not a quizzes it's not a kahoot it doesn't have all the cute feedback but it does actually take grades so it can be used as a formative assessment as well as an actual quiz or summative assessment. Can you save those grades in a CSV file? Yes, and they can right. be they can be imported into your gradebook. All right. Mm -hmm. They can be. You just get a report. It's real easy. So that is Socrative in a nutshell. All right. Well, hey, that's that's it for episode six today. Wow, this went so quickly. Did you want to talk about something something completely else? Oh, I no? was I was nervous about my first podcast. No, I think you did great. My I daughter awesome. is an avid podcast listener. That's what she does instead of listening to the radio in her car. She's 20. She is going to be floored that I'm actually participating in a podcast. Oh, that's going to be neat. So I'll have to send her the link and let her listen to it. But you know, we were really weird because we're both secondary ITS. And so I'm sitting here looking at our list and we... Everything we talked about applies to all grade levels, you know. So even the digital citizenship, fourth and fifth grade. There you go. Something for everybody in exactly. this podcast. Yeah. EC to twelve. All right. Hey, good stuff. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in episode seven coming up in a couple of weeks. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye.